0: Call on the ice. Stands. we got to go. Okay, the colors. We are set to go. Let's roll, boys. Let's get going. We are kicking. Here we go. Oh, guys, five minutes each for fighting. Watch the blue. Play the puck. We're it. doing
1: After further review, it's the Scouting the Refs podcast. Yeah, baby. Here's your hosts, Todd Lewis and Josh Smith.
0: Okay, gentlemen, play ball. Let's go. All right, guys. Let's drop the puck. Josh, you made the big league. You made the big time. <laughs> The ScoutingTherefs.com website made the big show the other night.
1: Yeah, very, very cool of Brendan Burke and Darren Pang and the rest of the TNT broadcast team to name drop scouting the refs. We had a, a memorable game. We had a memorable moment about the officials. And it's uh, awesome to know that scouting the refs was a valuable resource for the the broadcast crew there.
0: I, I think that maybe there's a testimonial in there of you know this is a, a good resource to uh, follow if you're looking for information and instruction uh, statistics of all varieties maybe maybe we'll have a, a one of those infomercial late night campaigns for this <laughs> website. Darren Pang and Brandon Burke gave us two <laughs> thumbs up. <laughs> this is the Scouting the Rest podcast. Please make sure you are following on the social channels. You get Josh at Scouting the Refs on both X and Instagram. You get me at Todd Sports on both X and Instagram. On this week's episode, Double Milestone Night. Blood brings attention. Big hit, but is the suspension big enough? And a little bit of an all-star wrap-up. Um, we're, we're we're out of the all-star break now, but I, I want to look back because there were a couple of things to deal with the all-star game that we should probably touch on and first of all we were wondering this compensation for the officials that work the all-star game we still didn't get the cool bieber designed uh sweaters but at least they do get recognized and paid for being there
1: yeah they get paid pretty well i i would take this at four thousand dollars for the referees twenty six hundred for the lions persons but on top of that they get the perks They get to hang out with uh, all the celebs. They get to hang out with the All-Stars. They get to bring their families with them with extra hotel room and some expenses there and two airline tickets, first class or business class. And they get a trip home and they get the day off after the All-Star game. So nice of them to get to spend time with the family, really enjoy it, have a wonderful time. And then a short break, get to go home. And remember the officials are home maybe once, twice a month. So it's a lot of traveling on the road. And I'm sure that that extra day off at home probably feels just as nice as the paycheck does for these guys.
0: You just gave me an idea that I know we're going to be a couple of years before we get the next All Star Game, but this one in Toronto was a, a pretty big success. A lot of celebrities around, and of course the celebrity captains of Justin Bieber and Will Arnett and uh, Tate McRae and and Michael Bublé. Maybe we need a celebrity official supervisor.
1: Oh, that would be great. I would. I would love to see them. I, you know what? Let's put them on the ice. Let's let's let a celebrity. Yeah. We'll go with look, these guys are talented. We got room out there. Let's put three officials out there. Let's let the actual guys working the game handle it. And let's put a celeb on skates. Let's give them a whistle and let's let's see what happens. I'm I'm game for that, Todd. We need a celebrity official.
0: I think that's, uh, <laughs> I, I think we could really be on to something here. This, uh, yeah, I, I I think this, you know, Sebastian Maniscalco as, as oh. a celebrity referee, something <laughs> like that. I think I could really see that happening.
1: Yeah, let him announce the penalties. Let's see what he comes up with. This could be fun.
0: Also, the, it, it, it puzzled me when it happened, and I guess I'm still processing and digesting it a little bit. We had video review necessary with the skills competition. I mean, I'm imagining the guys in the, in the NHL official review room who, you know, why do they even need to open up? They, I, I'm running around turning on all the equipment so they could do the review. <laughs>
1: man i i'm thinking that the situation room may have had the night off hopefully they were in the building going old school of the, the in the building type video review because it's it's not one you see every day although i shouldn't say that todd we did have video review last year in the all-star game but this year it came in the skills competition <laughs> we had uh david posternak getting scored and he, he picks up a two-point shot here for one that clangs off the crossbar and post and deflects and shouldn't have earned him any points at all so what what looked like a first place finish in the one-timer competition dropped him down a few spots so uh it needed video review i don't know if we're going to chalk this one up as a goal lost for the Boston bruins when we take tabs at the end of the year of how many teams have lost goals because of video review but this one probably stings a little
0: for pasta Oh, uh, sure. It probably, uh, you know, could have cost him a, a little bit money and no, no coaches challenge were allowed in this <laughs> particular case. Is that correct? That is
1: correct. No, no coaches challenges. Although, man, I, I can only imagine if we let them challenge for offside and uh, cold interference.
0: Oh, no, let's, let's but, not, let's not get into that. You know what? That Todd, would, okay. I,
1: I, now I want to add to the all-star game, so we're going to have to wait a while, but yeah, we need the all-star video review challenge competition let's give the guys in the booth let's yes. give the video teams an opportunity to see you know how accurate their challenges are who who's the best video crew maybe we need something timed maybe we need uh, i don't know what it needs to be but i think i'd love to make the the video guys all-stars look they've they've overturned 20 30 goals this year already so let's give them some respect
0: all right, we've got some time before the next one. So there's there's a lot of room for additions and maneuvering here to have some fun with it cuz that's what it is. It is a, it's supposed to be a fun event and I think this year's was was very much a success. We mentioned off the top the the TNT broadcast um and the shout out to scoutingtherefs.com but also recognizing um the milestone and the double milestone that occurred in the Chicago Minnesota game where Francois Saint-Laurent and Frederick Lecouillet both reached 1 1000 games on the same night that's really cool that's really special
1: yeah it's something i don't think we've come across before it's it's great to have a milestone game it's great to work it with a guy that you've come up with and who's also celebrating the same milestone. So I was talking to uh, Francois St. Laurent just before the all-star break, and I I knew his thousand was coming and he said there was something extra special about it. And now we know what that was that he got to share it with Frederick Lecouille. So nice for both of those guys to hit the thousand game mark together and they'll both celebrate it. They'll both celebrate it separately later this year. So look for that milestone recognition, Uh, at a a later date for each one of them i'm not sure at this point if if they may be in attendance at each other's respective games or not so we'll have to wait and see because those are the games where the milestone official gets to handpick their crew of who they want to be there who they want to work the game with and uh, look for that a little bit later this season typically i would say in in march so we'll we'll watch for that but nice of them to hit the milestone together and something that we get to honor them for later this year
0: uh, something super cool as well to have it happen. I think this is uh, something that the league should be promoting as well. Like, look, these are our guys. They're they're part of our team and and part of our game, and we should recognize what they do.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we look at player milestones and they put it up all the time on when guys hit like 1,500 games or 1,600 games. We have, we have NHL officials that have hit 1,800 games or more. And I think recognizing the sacrifice these guys have made their longevity with the league how many games they've worked over the years and battling through injuries staying healthy all the physical training and commitment that goes in I think it's definitely worthwhile for the league to recognize and celebrate the officials. I'd love to see them do it a little bit more. It was great to hear it on the broadcast and you know, it would be nicer sometimes if the broadcast teams were aware, uh, especially if they could feature them or, or maybe not cut away when the officials are getting recognized, let's at least see it. So let's see the pregame ceremony <laughs> for these guys later this year. Let's see, say the handshakes or whatever's happening there to, to be aware and, and just broadcast that a little bit. Cause it is a good story and it, it does help, recognize the officials who've contributed so much to the game.
0: TNT did that as well in the earlier game of the night with the Rangers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. After the game, uh, linesman Ryan Galloway, who it is speculated because there's been no official announcement that he is stepping away at the end of this season, was recognized by the Ranger players who stayed on the ice and came over and shook hands. Uh, A wonderful gesture by the Ranger players. And I, I think it really shows the the kind of the respect that, yes, in spite of the chirps and the questioning of calls that players do have for the officials.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, it's a nice gesture to to send these guys off. That'll be his last game at Madison Square Gardens. So you're not going to see the Rangers again before he hangs up the skates. So great of them to line up, shake hands. I mean, we were just saying you're, you're battling out there as a player and you're alongside these guys for so many games. I mean, Galloway has been in stripes for years. So these guys, I mean, he's, he's probably outlasted all of them. They were, they were coming up when he was already in the league. So uh, pretty cool for them to, to give a nice send off. Something that I think is always Nice to see when the, the players take a moment at the end of the game, do the handshake line and, and send a guy off with uh, some well wishes. So not the last time we'll see some handshakes for Galloway. He's got some time left, but at this point we don't have it confirmed. But I think from enough sources, Todd, I think it's safe to say that uh, this is Gally's last
0: season. All right, and uh, we'll wait for the official announcement. Now, we are back into the thick of it. Everybody's playing. Everybody's had a game or two or three in some cases, and we're back into the thick of it in terms of calls and discipline. And Winnipeg's Brendan Dillon perhaps had the most impactful blow this past week on Noel Achari of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Achari is skating the puck up along the boards through the neutral zone, and Dylan delivers a ginormous crunching hit and lands the Penguins forward into the boards. As you have a look, there is significant head contact. That got the attention of the Department of Player Safety. They said they'd like to have a chat and subsequently said, Brendan Dillon, you're going to sit for three games. So let's go through the call first of all. This is is a head shot.
1: This this is. And first off, I just want to tell Achari and everybody else, tighten those chin straps, boys, because as impressive as the flying helmet is, it is not doing him any favors right there, soaring through the air. But this is uh, this is a hit that Dylan could have made legally and chose not to. And that's why it results in a three game suspension. You can clearly see. That it would be a legal body check. I mean, Achari's eligible to be hit on the play. You just have to hit him legally, and Dylan doesn't. He misses the core completely. He hits him in the head. I mean, if the helmet flying off isn't obvious of that, and the helmet pops straight up, so it's not even like it's snapping back. But you, you can't deliver that check right to an opponent's head. Now, you can see that Achari's bent over there. He's allowed to be. He's crouched down as he's carrying the puck forward. The critical part for player safety is that he didn't change his body position materially just prior to the hit. He's leaning over. You can see he's leaning over. Before Dylan is bracing for impact, he sees Achari's body position. And at that point, he needs to adjust. He needs to adapt and deliver a legal body check. That means you can't continue driving forward and plow his head with your shoulder as he does on the play. So it's one of those things where the the actual rule for the illegal check to the head comes into play. And you realize that body position does contribute to the contact, but it doesn't happen right before. So this is on Dylan to actually deliver that body check legally, which he failed to do.
0: I think that's something many folks still don't recognize is that there is an emphasis on the player delivering a hit, because I saw a lot of comments about, well, he, he's bent over, you got to keep your head up and and be aware of what's going on around you, which is which is all true. However, it doesn't give the player who's inflicting or planning to inflict a body check a free shot just because you're bent over or just because you have your head down. If you change it the last minute, that's taken into account, but that doesn't happen here.
1: Right. And and that's why the onus is on Dylan to make sure that he's delivering it legally. If if, if Achari moves at the last second, there's not much you can do. And And the rule around it from the NHL is around whether the head contact on the play was avoidable. Those last second moves often make the head contact unavoidable. In this case, clearly it's avoidable here. Dylan sees him coming. Dylan knows his head's down. He wants to truck him and he does but he just has to deliver that hit legally on the play. The head contact on this one was avoidable. If he hits through the core, if he drives it into the chest, if he puts himself a little bit lower, man, it's probably even more powerful of a hit if he ducks down a little and hits him shoulder right into the chest there. But he didn't. He picked the head.
0: Okay. So that's that's the ruling from player safety was three games. And the next question is, should it have been more than three games? Uh, I, I, I'll i make the argument and I'll use a comparable there it's a little bit apples to oranges but jason zucker got three for his hit on nick cousins who was facing the boards on a knees on his knees and he plowed him right into the back end of the boards is that the same as this kind of hit does that warrant the same penalty
1: see and that one was booked in as a boarding suspension so i don't not that the severity is different the impact is the same you're driving a guy's head into the boards you're hitting him not in the head but you're causing that head contact in the boards there i think you look at that one and, and the severity is is probably close that zucker one was i would have factored in an extra game because of the unnecessary nature of it it was away from the play everything else this was a What This was what would have been a legal body check if it had been delivered legally. So this was closer to a hockey play. You look at some of the illegal checks that we had earlier this season. The the Gallagher on Pellick is five games. That's intentional. That's obvious. McAvoy on ekman Larson. We had uh, Clifton on Nico Heischer. We had a few that were hockey plays gone wrong. This falls to me in that bucket. So three to four games isn't unreasonable. This is where you have to deliver a legal check. You have to be concerned about how you're hitting the opponent, but this wasn't that outside the realm of of playing hockey. He, he would have been in a spot to deliver a hit. He's trying to separate him from the puck. He just didn't do it legally. So I, I don't think this rises to five really for me. I, I think three, maybe four is probably the sweet spot where I see this.
0: Okay, that that makes sense. That argument. Uh, we are back to game action. So stick work has also returned, and it did in the uh, Calgary Flames and Boston Bruins contest. Uh, Bruins captain Brad Marchand is doing his usual stir it up in front of the goal routine. No, and uh, I, I I know <laughs> it's happened once or twice before, and Martin Prospisil decided he didn't like it and delivered a nasty stick to the chops of uh, of Brad Marchand. He got himself a major penalty and an early exit. Was this penalized properly for you in this case? This is not a hockey play. This, this is, is after the play. Is this the right call?
1: Uh, it's it's a little too aggressive by Pospisil here. I think the penalty I'm I'm good with. This is a cross check to the face. You're you're no way to argue it there. You assess the major or minor penalty based on the severity of the cross check. When you're going after a guy's face, it's got to be a major, and that results of game misconduct. Also, doesn't quite reach intent to injure of that deliberate cross-check, so it's not a match. I mean, the net outcome on the ice is still a five-minute power play, but I think major in a game was the right call. I think player safety dropped the ball on this one, Todd. If I want to say that the officials got it right, I really would have liked to see a fine for this one. (laughs) I was surprised that we didn't have one.
0: Well, especially since uh, Prospisol earned himself a new two-year contract uh, just after this game, <laughs> you know, maybe just a little ding to say maybe you shouldn't be doing that with your stick. I, I agree with you. I think a fine would be warranted here.
1: Yeah, and I, I look, I you, I'm fine with the standard of every time you cross check a guy in the face, it's a one-game suspension. I can live with that. If they wanted to put that out there, that every time, every single time you cross check a guy in the face, I don't care what the circumstance is, we're giving you a one game. I could live with that. That's not the standard that player safety has had. So if we look back at some of the other ones, obviously this is not David Perron's Zoob territory, which got six games. That was outside of, of really playing. That was really an attack. You look at Manjapano McCann earlier this year, a couple cross checks to the head and neck area when he's down on the ice. That gets one game. This is not worse than that. So I can't really go more than a game. I, but I think even based on player safety standards, this this really should have been a fine. And, and like I said, I, I'm okay bumping those up. You know, I we argued at the time, you can go back to earlier podcasts and find it that we argued that Manjipani deserved more at the time for that one. And I think this one probably should have been a game. But even based on what we see from player safety, I, I think a fine at least should have come out of this one.
0: I, I like your idea of it's a, it's a blanket one game, but I'll add one other little proviso. If it, if it happens after the whistle has blown, oh, that, yeah, that's... T- that takes it out of any chance of it being a hockey play.
1: Hey, that's, that's a good one too. And I, you know what? Those are standards. Look, we have a lot of pieces that are judgment call. We have a lot that's up to interpretation. We don't want to ask officials to guess a player's intent. We really want to penalize based on the act. But a cross-check to the face is pretty clear. <laughs> a play after the whistle, I think, is is clear that his intent was to do something after the play had stopped. And I think that's a sweet addition there because both work. I, I don't think there's any circumstance where we could say we wouldn't want it to be more severe when it happens after the whistle. So the little add-on multiplier there makes a lot of sense. If I'm going to give you two games for something that happened and you did the same thing after the play had stopped, you deserve an extra game for it.
0: There you go. There Good you call. Go. Uh, one other play that did cost the player some money. It was Dallas Stars forward Mason Marchin, who paid a $5,000 fine, let's say it together, the maximum allowable <laughs> under the CBA. The fine was for, for an interference penalty against Toronto Maple Leaf defenseman Jake McCabe, It was late in the third period of the Stars and Maple Leafs game. There was no penalty called on this particular incident. And McCabe got bloodied when his visor contacted the bridge of his nose. And that was the evidence, I guess, for player safety to have a closer look. And um, Mason Marshman is going to pay $5,000 for this hit. It's late. It's late, yeah. And that's
1: that's pretty much my takeaway from it. Sure, McCabe's bloody, yeah, he's mad. I don't blame the guy, but this is nothing more than a late hit. Uh, if I'm calling the game, if the officials are calling it, and have a second chance to look back at it. You're looking at a two-minute minor at most here for the late hit. This is not a major for interference. There's no intent to injure. It's not boarding. It's not charging. It's it's nothing that would justify anything more. So, player safety tax on that fine for interference. I, I don't really think you can do much more with this one. I don't want to blame McCabe here. He's looking over his shoulder. He's not aware of the hit coming in. It was a late hit. He's not legally eligible to be checked at that point. The puck's long gone. But I don't think it's anything more than that, Todd. And even Sheldon Keefe after the game talking about a, you know a player that's targeted and a hit that we don't want to see in the game. And it should have been penalized. It should have. But it should have just been a minor penalty.
0: It gets extra attention because of the Pfizer cutting McCabe's yeah. nose, and it not looking particularly glamorous as he's sitting on the yeah. bench chirping at the officials afterwards. But but you're right, it's just it's it's a late hit, but he doesn't send him into the boards or anything more severe.
1: Yeah, and we've seen plenty of legal plays, legal body checks, legal hits, even even the teammate on teammate contact, anything that can cause an injury to the face, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a penalty. The only rule that has Even a piece for an injury coming out, I mean, other than some of the intent to injures or some of the provisos where if it's a match penalty that causes an injury, you you tack on a game misconduct. But outside of that, if it's interference, you're not tacking on more because there's an injury. if it's a high stick, there is that one specifically calls out the double minor bump. But other penalties do not have that provision in there. If there's blood on the play, that doesn't automatically mean anything in most of the penalties in the NHL rule book. And you have to remember too, blindside hit, which this was, or a player in a vulnerable position, which this was, doesn't always mean that it's a penalty. The, the blindside hit term was removed from the rule book for a legal check to the head. And if it's boarding, if it is an a legal check to the head, that's where they consider if a player was defenseless or or put himself in a vulnerable position. When it comes to interference, it's simply not part of the rule. So there are really no grounds to make this more than a minor for interference, which it should have been, but like as as is common as happens from time to time the officials missed
0: it i i think we've learned a lot in this that you know the blind side hit a reminder again that's not there the vulnerable player player in a vulnerable position but as always a cross check to the face is not a hockey play good stuff man We're- Get in the box. It's the Scouting the Refs podcast. Read more at
1: scoutingtherefs.com. Follow Scouting the Refs on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Email the show at ref at scoutingtherefs.com. You're good, Michael. Subscribe, share, and keep those sticks down. good